Steven Crowder made his uh, return to, well, the internet. He announced a bunch of interesting things, things that uh, I've knew, I've known, <laughs> have been brewing for some time. Many people are in my menchies, emailing me, asking me if I'm going to join up with Steven Crowder and his new things. All questions will be answered today. So sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. I hope your Tuesday is going well, <clears throat> and I hope that you'll stick with me. So Steven Crowder uh, made an appearance on the PBD podcast, with uh, which is uh, Patrick uh, David. I, I'm... I don't mean that out of disrespect. I have seen him all over the internet. He seems to have like really big, uh, important people on his live stream. He does very good. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm not going to be, be on this show at any time soon, but he had uh, Steven Crowder on there who announced various things. Let's go to Steven's breakdown of it here. It's been a while, but the wait is finally coming to an end. Today, Steven Crowder appeared on the PBD podcast with a major announcement on the return of the Mug Club. The Mug Club will be back and better than ever. Crowder announced that it will have double the content and it will have additional and an additional show on Fridays. Massive up, uh, uptick in value. Hopefully uh, he doesn't burn himself out. Crowder also noted that the show has had a ton of people sign up at mugclubforever.com Everyone who signed up there should check their spam folders tomorrow since those who signed up over the past few months will be getting a code to pre-order and get three months free of Mug Club. Host Patrick Bet David also asked about the most influential conservative news sources and Crowder said Red State Town Hall, Fox News, Daily Wire. Bet David then elaborated, elaborated that his point is, is that there aren't enough of them and that this is why Crowder is creating a conservative media platform to bring new talent under his louder with Crowder umbrella. Now, um, this is not dissimilar from say something like, um, uh, daily wire where they have kind of a feeder of new talent. They have existing talent that pays the bills and then they have a feeder of new talent that can get popular and then break off on their own, or maybe they can renegotiate and make a bunch of money doing that. I think this is a great thing. Obviously, I've known about this for some time, suspected, had my own suspicions of certain things. Uh, you know, you ask certain questions, and then you don't ask other questions. Uh, many people have asked uh, if I would join up. Steve and I have talked about this. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, by the way, first and foremost, welcome back, Steven Crowder. I'm glad you're back uh, on the Internet. It hasn't really felt the same uh, without you. And, um, you know, I've had kind of a change in philosophy here. I see I was watching the live stream a little bit last night, and there's just a lot of animosity um, going on in the chat. People really happy with Steven. People really still mad about the Daily Wire stuff. I think, you know, as one of the worst offenders in, in fighting, I'm really, really trying to just back up and say, look, if somebody's right 90% of the time on our side and, you know, is doing good things, then maybe I don't need to focus on the few times that I strongly disagree with them. Now, there are times where I think it's worth it calling people out because I strongly believe that iron sharp, sharpens iron. 
But I think now that Crowder's back, I'm hoping that the kind of the Daily Wire versus Crowder thing can dissipate and we can all get back to the correct fight at hand, myself included. Obviously, I had a yet another classic Twitter meltdown over the weekend, but um, I've made adjustments to just stay off Twitter, uh, you know, other than posting my dogs and my videos there. And I can already feel like more productive. And when I'm more productive, that, that means better things. Arguing at Twitter doesn't really do anything. So Carter then explained this venture is different than all other conservative media outlets because every other show is just people talking about the news. Oh, dang it, Steven. Whereas this is about signing people who can be who they want to be and be creative within the conservative sphere. He related it to when he pitched Change My Mind to Fox News and was told that nobody would want it. Crowder elaborated that this will help reach younger conservatives since college-aged Americans aren't exactly tuning into Fox News every night. And Louder with Crowder's newest venture will not be about making people fit into a box. It will be about letting their freak flag, flag fly. Crowder can't name too many names yet, but noted there are equitable, transparent contracts in the works. So stay tuned for more details. And of course, hold on to your butts. Now, uh, this is a very good thing. Uh, I think one of the best things commentators. So, you know, I think I did a lot of like retro introspective thinking. Is that the right word for it? Monday, all night last night, really just turned off the computer, just kind of sat in a chair, pet my dog and, and thought a lot about you know, winning <laughs> about actually making change. And one of the best ways to do that is to enlist more in more people in your, in the fight. And even though I may not disagree with, you know, I may not ag agree with every little thing that the daily wire says and does, they are a force for good. Um, and whether or not I agree with everything, I may not agree with everything Steven Crowder says and does, he is a force for good. And he's the largest conservative content creator, commentator on YouTube by a large margin. His live streams are massive. His YouTube viewership numbers are massive. And what he's going to be able to do now is be able to, you know, put people over, introduce people. Like there are very strong forces, whether you like their content or not, I mean, look at friggin' Brett Cooper. Who? She's her YouTube channel's bigger than Matt Walsh's practically already. And that's because Daily Wire brought her on. She found her niche of making short video shorts do really well for her. She's a good-looking woman. Um, and, you know, being a pretty girl and making shorts is extremely beneficial. And um, that isn't to take anything away from her, but I'm just saying. Um, and she's been very successful at that. That's an example of somebody that it was essentially created by uh, one of these companies. And now she gets to shine and reach probably more females, I, I guess. I don't know. That may not be a reasonable assumption. If Steven Crowder can do that and also bring in more people who like would do more person-on-the-street type interviews or comedy shows or things of that nature, uh, I think that's good because the entertainment side of the right sucks. Um, 
there are shows, popular shows like Gutfelt now, that are like a night, a you know, a, a, a right wing answer to all the boring Tonight Show options that that you know regular TV has. But they're still on cable, so you still have to pay to see them. If you can create these videos and put them on YouTube or put them on, I don't know if he's building a new platform. I don't know any of that stuff. So if he's you know going to have them on, maybe he's working on something with Rumble. I don't know. But if there's if there's you know if you make more interesting, conservatism has to get cooler. The right can meme very well, and it can mobilize well too, but. In the entertainment sphere, we have, you know, perhaps the most important uh, uh, conservative, you know, content creator putting putting content out there, the Daily Wire, in that, you know, they're creating, you know, an answer to to Disney Plus, you know, kid friendly content that isn't pushing propaganda. Their movies, you know, hit or miss, but they're there and they exist, um, and they, you know, they've been doing it for like six months, and Hollywood's been doing it for. Uh, 200 years or whatever. So, or 100 years. So, I think uh, Crowder, this will be great. And I 1,000% support him doing this and will connect content creators that I think just need a chance to grow with him. Now, will I be joining him? Well, I have had conversations with him about a show that I want to do that would require a little different platform and will require some financial investment and some like actual technical know-how that I don't know how to do. I don't have the equipment for it. Um, because, you know, I'll just be honest with you. Like I, I would love to see a show. I'll just, I'll just put it out there because you know what, if I don't do it, maybe someone else can do it. Um, I would love to see a show like the like Conan back in the day, but like not not like there needs to be more content between between droning on about how you know everything sucks and just like pure entertainment. And I think that there is an opportunity on the right for it more of that stuff and Gutfeld kind of proves it but that's still like an overtly political show i think a show that would be entertaining a show that is in the night at at night that embraces memes that covers news topics but also covers entertainment topics and covers it in a format that even might have live music or might have these are the things that i think would be successful now maybe i just help produce that show i don't know if i'm the right talent for that show but we've had a lot of really good conversations about, you know, entertainment on the right that could be done so much better. There's a finite amount of people that can read other people's news articles on the internet for a career. And there's a finite number of people willing to consume that content. There is a much larger, um, I'm trying as I try to ignore my dog alarm system going off. There's a much larger a group of people willing to, con- to consume more like even-keeled content, funny content, comedy content. And it sounds like that's what he wants to, to put together. So I think my answer is yes, I will join him in some capacity. Um, but we haven't really figured that out yet. And I think um, that I will, in the beginning stages, 
I would rather facilitate other creators to get with him and work with him and help him develop that talent as opposed to immediately create another show. You know, I already do a live stream every morning now, and now I have five videos a day. You know, at some point I'd have to trade it off, you know, in order to do that. And I'm not sure what that looks like yet. But I have talked to him about working with him. I'm I'm 100% open to it. But I also, as a friend, want to help him develop this, just figure it all out, see what it looks like. I know there'll always be a place for me there. So I'm not rushing into anything. We've talked, we've fleshed out some ideas. I will definitely support him 100%. But right now I've got something that's brewing in the back too that I've been working on with several other content creators that is coming out probably in the next three weeks. It's very close. Lots of news today, including last night, we saw some footage that should be uh, immediately uh, freeing several Americans from their political imprisonment that in my opinion, at least, um, is a farce. Uh, and now, thanks to Elon Musk owning Twitter, he is amplifying the this said footage everywhere, all over Twitter, and the left is losing its mind because, well, the narrative, two key narratives that, that uh, happened from the worst day in American history ever, worse than, worse than the September thing, or worse than everything else, uh, it's, it's complete bunk. Did some people trespass? Perhaps, maybe, I don't know, to public place or if they went into non-public areas, then okay, fine. Give them a trespassing ticket. The shaman himself who walked around with escorted by Capitol police received 41 months in federal prison. And now Elon Musk is amplifying that footage to everyone all over Twitter. And I'm absolutely here for it. Elon Musk drops Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzer, Kinzinger, and Schiff for misleading Americans about J6, and it's a beautiful thing. Watching the footage, thanks to Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy, it looks like more like Liz Cheney, Adam King, Kinzinger, and Adam Schiff, and the rest of the J6 committee deliberately misled the public to push a pre-approved politically convenient narrative for Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Okay, we all knew something was off when they brought in an ABC producer to put together the evidence, not to mention Pelosi handpicked Republicans like Liz and Adam, who she knew would go along with what she wanted. But seeing the actual footage seemed to change everything. Knowing they saw the same footage and still pushed the lies they pushed, no words. Luckily, Elon Musk has plenty. This is on twitchy.com. Elon Musk replies to uh, this tweet, by the way, which has 115,000 likes at the time of this video. In fact, it has 132,000 now in response to Greg Price writing. The J6 committee, this is what he said, quote, lied about how Brian Sicknick passed away, lied about Barry Loudermilk training people on a reconnaissance mission, lied about Josh Howley running away, lied about Ray Epps being a credible witness. Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, and Representative Adam Schiff are liars. Elon Musk replies, besides misleading the public, they withheld evidence for partisan political reasons that sent people to prison for far more serious crimes than they committed. That is deeply wrong legally and morally. 
Then, of course, you get, uh, you know, a reporter has entered the chat. See, this day was really important for the right or left, I'm sorry, because it meant that uh, they got to talk about, you know, use this to hang on Trump. Um, like this is this is all about them, you know, uh, hanging on Trump, hanging on Republicans, smearing Republicans. Look, do I think that they should have entered the building? No, and I don't think most like normal people do. Uh, I don't think they should have went in there or if they, you know, I don't think that I have no problem with them gathering there peacefully at all. I don't have, you know, I don't think they should have been going into Nancy Pelosi's office. I don't think they should have, but I mean, 41 months in prison. Is that, is that a, is that a crime? Let's see how long these, um, super soldiers in Atlanta serve. To me, it was completely politically motivated in every way, shape and form. It felt like that from the very beginning. Of course, the left absolutely losing their mind. Like, Hi, Elon. I'm a reporter. Oh, boy. Hugo Lowell, who writes for mm, The Guardian, checks notes, not even in a United States paper. What evidence did the committee withhold that sent people to prison? Well, it seems like video footage. You know, it seems like video footage to me. A lot of this pushback has surrounded around this particular clip. Tucker just um, started dropping J6 footage. It shows Capitol Police escorting the shaman through the Capitol on January 6th. A corrupt Department of Justice threw him in prison for five years over this. He should be immediately released. And you can see in the footage, you know, he just... conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? So they show the footage. He's walking around, literally being led around by uh, an officer. A review of the internal surveillance video. Look it at this. It's very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. At no, one point they, they say... Acted as his you know, they at, they at one point they say, oh, we were too scared. Here at this point, he walks past seven, seven officers here. One, two, three, four, five, six, what, actually seven, eight, nine. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Did they even care? I'm supposed to believe this was the worst event ever in American soil. On American soil, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Dude was held in solitary confinement for almost a year and then got 41 months in prison for getting a tour of the Capitol by Capitol Police. The prosecutors and judges who presided over this case should be removed immediately. I mean, I 100% agree. Like, I, I mean, were they in on it? I, I mean, I don't know. Of course, the left absolutely losing their minds, right? Surprise, like all over, you know, all over Twitter, dozens of articles. Dozens of articles. Here's one on Fox. Elon Musk torches House J6 committee for misleading the public, withholding evidence deeply wrong. Elon Musk took to Twitter Tuesday morning to criticize several lawmakers that sat on the House committee investigating J6, accusing them of misleading the public. Responding to someone else's tweet that, of course, we already looked at, he added, this is deeply wrong morally and legally. It's report 
condemned former President Donald Trump and lambasted Republicans in the chamber for allegedly encouraging riots that resulted in several people not surviving and injuries to law enforcement. On Monday evening, Fox News host Tucker Carlson revealed that he was in possession of over 40,000 hours of footage given to him by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. During Tucker Carlson Tonight, the host revealed never-before-seen clips that collection through the segment throughout the segment, which appeared to contrast some of the committee's final report and inherent claims. Carlson claimed that footage was proof that the lawmakers and the media were lying about the events that took place. On J6, the first batch of clips showed, quote, sightseers, as Carlson put it, peacefully touring the Capitol building. Other clips showed Capitol Police officers escorting Jacob Chansley, a Navy veteran, widely referenced to as the shaman, through several hallways without incident. Carlson even said that officers were opening doors for him with none of them slowing him down. In another tweet, Musk called the footage shocking indeed. Carlson also told viewers of footage of Officer Brian Sicknick walking and guiding people around the building after he was attacked, quote, overturns the single most powerful politically useful lie that the Democrats told us on January 6th. He added, they lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, then their dishonesty knows no limits. And this is just the beginning, right? Like, it's, you know, Elon Musk levels the J6 committee in reaction to video footage. I mean, if you look at Elon, you know, what's happening is he's shining a light on this footage to millions of people. This tweet alone has 3.3 million views, 133,000 likes. And what you have to remember and what I've only recently been remind, reminded myself of is it's not necessarily the people that like or, or lose their minds in the comments. It's the people that just see it. You see the tragic. I can't even fathom what they've all been through. They've lost community standing, family jobs, banking, put on lists, money for attorneys, and one even self-deleted because he couldn't take it anymore. This isn't America anymore uh, the way it is now. I mean, it sure seems like it, right? These people were in prison for, I mean, look, if they you know, broke a specific 41 months in a federal prison for what at, at no point did those officers try to stop him. Is there more footage that we haven't seen where, you know, they, they were tussling. I don't know. Sure. Would be interesting to see though. Right. Cause what I'm seeing is a guy on a tour getting led around, doing whatever the heck he wants. At no point does it seem like the police are want him to leave. At no point does it seem like the police are scared of him. At no point does it seem like they're, he's resisting them. He's just doing whatever it is that he wants to do. Completely unarmed, by the way. I suspect even more uh, bombshells from this, from this footage, and I appreciate everyone for sharing it because uh, we certainly know that you know, YouTube isn't going to help. We've got another ridiculous fake woke outrage this time involving mr beast the man that uh has transcended youtube a man that has uh done innumerable good deeds around the world has raised millions for charity planted what 20 million trees or something like that literally everything he does is good 
which is why some of these weirdo lefties apparently hate him so much. They hate success. They hate that he was as is as essentially a self-made man who employs many other people who entertain people without any political bent whatsoever. Now, certainly one could expect all this ridiculous fake outrage to go away if he were to push leftist talking points, uh, but he's done nearly the impossible and has kept his own political beliefs completely out of the big picture of things. And that's obviously the good business move. He doesn't publicly feud with people. He doesn't have a bunch of drinks and, and have meltdowns on Twitter. He just goes about his business, which is why he's so successful. But now this new reason why everybody, everybody is so mad at him is absolutely hilarious. Mr. Beast is selling chocolate now, no kidding, but his fans have to keep cleaning up messes. Fans volunteer at Walmart to impress the biggest YouTuber in the world. And of course, this is something terrible. Jimmy, Mr. Beast Donaldson, the biggest YouTuber in the world, recently asked fans to do him a favor. Patrol the shelves of their local big box retailer to make sure his feastable chocolate bars weren't a huge mess. Some appear to have happily enlisted in the effort, while others lampooned the brand activate, activation PSYOP and threatened a counterattack. He tweeted, I need your help. Next time you see Feastables in Walmart and soon to be new retailers, if you could clean up the presentation and make it look better, that would make me very happy. I'm happy to build, I'm building a team to do this routinely, just need help in the short term. Look, he's not saying, hey, drop everything and go there. He's not saying this has to be your job. This has to be everything you do forever. He's just saying, why wouldn't he do that? You know, Walmart shelves are easily one of the worst on the planet. Um, and it, so what? Like, it, it makes no sense. Honestly, if I was selling delicious coffee brand coffee at Walmart, I'd do the exact same thing. He's not saying leave your home, quit your job, do this. He's just saying, hey, if you happen to be at Walmart and you see my display, and obviously people are getting social media clout for it too. For the uninitiated, Feastables are a chocolate bar brand. Mr. Beast launched in early 2022 that claims to sustainably source its cacao, offer carbon neutral checkout, buy a TerraCycle, and give cash donations to alleviate food insecurity in the United States. They don't taste bad, wrote someone on Reddit. So again, he's using his brand to sell a chocolate bar. He's doing literally everything he possibly could to appease the left, carbon neutral checkout, ethically sourced chocolate, donations to, to solve fight hunger. And yet they still criticize him because he hasn't come out and said, you know, Joe Biden 2024, I am sure. Some fans immediately went into cleanup mode, responding down thread with apparent pictures of themselves being very weird. I was at Walmart and I saw your chocolate bars, a self-described business mogul who goes by Lone Wolf wrote on Twitter. I fixed them properly. Anything for the team. I even bought a, ch a chocolate sea salt one. So what? They were so f they were far from the only one. We got you covered in Santan Valley, Arizona. Walmart, another person wrote. It wasn't in terrible shape, but Walmart in Marion, Indiana is good for now, wrote a third. Others who weren't volunteering at the largest company in the world rushed to compliment Mr. Beast on an incredibly savvy business, business, move, business move. Brilliant. Crowdsourcing the cleanup tweeted, reluctant carnivore in Justin Rhodes. I think creator brands will dominate shelf space this decade. Well, I don't know about all that. But I do know that it was a brilliant business move. And he's not forcing anyone to do it. And no one absolutely has to do it. 
And on the other side, you see Thousand Yard Stare, Mr. Beast, I will continue destroying your chocolate displays until you pay me $100,000. And he went to several stores to wreck his chocolate displays and then demand a hundred grand. And this got 70,000 likes. I mean, this is, this, is, this is exactly what the right is. I just threw a whole box of your chocolates and the thing that keeps the rotisserie chickens warm, they melted all over everything. And I heard the manager at Walmart isn't gonna carry a feasibles anymore. I'm hearing Mr. Beast uses slave labor to make his feasible chocolate. Again, that's not correct. Um, you know, and then you see here, fourth Mr. Beast feasible is displayed, destroyed today. Eight more Walmarts to go. I'm not exactly sure. Like, one of these things is probably some level of a crime. I don't know. 50,000 likes. And oh, by, and, and by the way, you know, you know who has to clean this up, right? A retail worker who makes too few dollars an hour. You see, being a D to retail workers to own Mr. Beast. Yeah. I'm too scared to actually do anything to these people. I want to protest, so I'm going to make it harder and lesser people's work harder. I hope retail workers who have to fix the displays dox the people who ruin them. Well, I hope they don't dox them, but like, this is such a ridiculous nothing burger um, for people to be upset about. I caught this man after he bumped into a feasible display at Walmart. I'm solely, I mean, it's just a joke, right? People are joking. I, I, I don't get it. When you don't organize Mr. Beast's chocolate bars, I hunted 100 people. Mr. Beast is no stranger to controversy. Well, of course, you know, people are, are, are losing their minds over just what is like a simple thing. By the way, it's a pretty nice display, to be honest with you. Like one, two, three, four. He's got four, at least four shelves. I don't know if that bottom shelf is his too. I don't even know. This must be in like the fancy candy aisle. I only buy candy in the checkout like a normal human. But I mean, this is again, Mr. B sparks backlash for telling fans to quote sabotage competitors. That's not what he said. Like, it's so dumb. Like, I'm totally going to mess with this guy's stuff if I see it on the sh other shelves. Another reply, despite backlash from some waves of fans. By the way, the amount of sad, perpetually angry, uh, you know, uh, rage soy losers out there versus the number of fans that Mr. Beast has that will collect it or that will fix it or, or you know, he vastly outnumbers them. But the, after asking help from his followers, some of course taking part, others causing others to hit out at the YouTube star. Some arguing that he's taking advantage of his fans. No, he's not forcing them to do it. After he said, while you're at it, you may want to move some Hershey bars around and make sure Feasible says plenty of, plenty of space. I wouldn't complain. I mean, uh, do we care about Hershey's anymore? Like, I think Feastables, I mean, I think he said the, the company's going to have like a billion dollar valuation at some point. I think I need Mr. Beast to sell my coffee. You know, I think like, you know, it's fascinating to watch late stage capitalism where people are honored to do free label or labor for rich people that don't care about them because they feel some kind of connection and loyalty, like a dog wanting a treat. Why is everything like so evil to these people? Like, why is, you know, why does, it's like the internet has ruined everything. It's so weird and so soy to be this mad about Mr. Beast. I mean, and like, again, remember when like <laughs> patient cured in Mr. Beast's video, uh, blindness video defends YouTuber from exploitation allegations. Remember when last time he cured 
a thousand people's blindness or functional blindness. People actually got mad about that. They're like, this is just, he's just using them for clout. So you go and ask those thousand people who got a free surgery to fix their eyes. If they care that Mr. Beast got some views on it. How do you think he paid for those surgeries, by the way? And he also brought significant awareness to the fact that these surgeries are readily available and difficult to afford for people. And they shouldn't be. Certainly insurance companies should pay for it. Don't you want someone to go back to work? He started that and got that conversation going and people were mad about it. People just want to be mad online these days. And, you know, I, I can't blame them when all the algorithms out there um, literally just push outrage stuff constantly. Um, but, you know, I don't think that Mr. Beast is the enemy here. I don't think a few of his fans taking selfies by his chocolate bars are the worst thing to ever happen on the Internet. So good luck, Mr. Beast. Um, maybe you can ask your fans to check out coffeebrandcoffee.com too or MetaPCs. Both very important partners of the channel, but well, one of which I own. Now, if you're like a lot of people, you've tuned out of sports ball altogether, mostly because it's been so heavily politicized. It's been infected with political statements, you know, of, uh, you know, having kneeling on the 50 yard line and every morning sports show getting political. People like Max Kellerman, uh, you know, making everything into a political argument. Stephen A. Smith, all these early morning talk show hosts really just want to talk about politics. And that's why, of course, ESPN ratings continue to tank because nobody's interested uh, in this endless uh, garbage that they put out. There's so much that they could talk about. What they figured out, by the way, is there's so much they could talk about in relation to sports and what happens between the lines and all that kind of stuff. But this isn't what gets views because people want to consume more, you know, fake race bait outrage. And this started a couple of days ago where one of the commentators uh, on the right, Kendrick Perkins, probably one of the least eloquently spoken, one of the, the has some of the most boneheaded takes uh on a panel full of people who have boneheaded takes. Um, but he, he implied the other day that um, through selective data, by the way, uh, he implied that the people that vote for MVP, which is an award that, you know, matters less than NBA championships to NBA players, uh, were racist because they voted for a white guy who also happens to be one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, and I don't know if I can play these clips or not or how ESPN is, but I'm going to try to give you the full context because, well, I'm a white guy calling a black guy something a black guy said racist. So, you know, I have to provide the context. So here's what he said that kind of sparked it all. Why didn't he never bring up this in particular subject? When it comes down to guys winning MVP since 1990, it's only three guys that won the MVP that wasn't top 10 in scoring. Why did he pick 1990, by the way, and ignore the other 50 years of NBA history? Do you know who those three guys were? Who were they? Steve Nash, Jokic, and uh, Dirk Nowinski. No. Dirk Nowinski. <laughs> what, do the, what do those guys have in common? I'll let, you sit, I'll let it sit there and marinate. You think about it. He's, they're white. You probably don't, maybe you don't watch sports ball, but they're white. There is no like, 
by the way, you know, be, being the MVP uh, in the NBA does not have to, a requirement is not being in the top 10 in scoring. Um, uh, it's just a boneheaded uh, take, just absolutely boneheaded, not fact-based whatsoever. So then J.J. Redick uh, comes on, who's easily one of the biggest rising stars in NBA commentary, uh, to, well, you'll see. It is an honor to be on this desk every day. It really is. But what we've just witnessed is the problem with this show, where we create narratives that do not exist in reality. The implication, what you are implying, that the white voters that vote on NBA are racist, that are, they, they favor white people. You I just not, said that. I you just, Yes, you did. He did say that. You heard it, right? He's like, well, what do they have in common? I'm not going to say. He went right up to the line, close enough for anybody who's not a complete moron to, uh, to see. I yes, did, you did. I did yes, not, you did. That I is did exactly not, what you implied, Kendrick Perkins. That is exactly what you implied. Secondly, hold on, hold on. I did not call. I stated the facts. I stated the facts. Oh, there you go. So now he's just saying, yes, I did say that, essentially. He's admitting that. And you're not about to sit up We all know what you implied the other day. We all know what you implied just now. Hold on. I stated the time. It's the facts. It's the facts. You know, the guy that talks the loudest is usually the one that's right. So, of course, you know, social media has been absolutely, you know, if you look at J.J. Redick, Here's Clay Travis. Uh-oh, J.J. Reddick just went on ESPN and accused him of making up racism narratives. Good for Reddick. He's 100% right here. Kendrick Perkis said this last week that Jokic is, is getting the MVP because he's white. It's obviously ridiculous. How many times has LeBron James won MVP? How about Kobe Bryant? How about Shaquille O'Neal? How about, like, I mean, like, get out of here. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, he's 100% right. Uh, you know, when it comes down to it you don't also don't have to be in the top 10 in scoring to win the uh the award and and this is the truth let's just look at this article from 2020 espn hits all-time 41 year ratings low as woke center on roids takes over on wednesday espn studio programming which has become ms msp mespians i don't really know woke center on roids has hit 41 year low first take was the highest rated ESPN show all day, posting just 211,000 viewers. That was the 93rd rated program on all of cable. Putting those numbers into context compared to other shows airing on the same day, Nick Cannon's Wild and Out on VH1 had 50% more viewers. Craig of the Creek on Cartoon Network posted 200,000 more viewers. Jay Leno's Garage defeated it. Okay. First take had just 211,000 viewers, the lowest number of viewers I've ever seen for the show. Because all of ESPN studio program has hit all-time lows in the past two weeks, highly questionable, had just 151,000 viewers last week. That's the lowest I've ever seen. Around the horn, 175,000. It's no surprise that ratings have been down across the board for sports programming without sports. You know, this is, of course, during the lockdowns. But they've also pivoted during that phase to talking about politics all the time. The ratings are clear about, and the ratings are clear that sports fans just want to watch games as well. Twitter gets happy when athletes and sports commentators weigh in on non-sports topics, but Twitter, as always, isn't the real world. It's a distorted funhouse mirror carnival verse of the real world. The data is clear. Sports fans want sports. And here we are right back where we were several years ago when Caitlyn Jenner was getting an ESPY on ESPN. 
Woke Center fails every time ESPN embraces it, potentially an election year where sports fans are craving something other than politics all the time. I mean, th- this has been an ongoing issue with Sports Center getting woke. And like, what's what? I mean, are, is this the world that we're going to, I mean, like, Kendrick Perkins 110% implied that the only reason that, I don't know, the guy who's got a million triple doubles didn't deserve it. You see, Swiper wrote, Kendrick Perkins suggests that Nikola Jokic is winning the MVP this year because he is a white European. On national television, this talking point started two weeks ago and it's got worse and worse since. Here's Kendrick Perkins uploaded a video on Twitter, Twitter doubling down on a state that Jokic, Nash, and Dirk only won MVPs because they were white and then deleted the tweet. You know, I mean, like, sad what, here's Vic Lombardi saying here, who's, I think, a voter too. I think sad what Kendra Perkins is insinuating right now, just doubling down on a flawed argument. It's sad. Um, you know, and then you see here, JJ Reddick confirms, you know, it's like, man, JJ Reddick had, had big perk heated. heated. Um, so now he writes last year, I was a coon this year. I'm a racist. Well, dang, which is it? It's neither. I call out facts. and I'm not afraid to address the elephant in the room again, insinuating that they are racist, that he was correct. And like, he, he this is just one of those things where like, He's going to try to, I don't, I don't know. A speaker of truth has no friends getting ratioed. Uh, here's 2000 barely ratioed. Um, white guys can hoop, but I also know media favors white guys that can hoop. Really? I think pretty sure Giannis Antetokounmpo is pretty popular. <laughs> JJ been cooking you. There's really plenty of black folks in the replies. JJ been cooking you. Stop using the race card when it's unnecessary. Jokic outplayed out, out everybody. And you act like the top two MVP players are Jokic and Luka, who are both white. Giannis and Embiid, also non-American players. You used white instead of foreign because that would ruin your narrative. Oh, good point. Perk, you are just as bad as an, of an analyst as you were a player, and that's saying a lot. Um, it wasn't no elephant in the room. Take your L, carry on. You know, like, here's the one thing about sports fans, and what I'll say about, um, here's what I'll say about black sports fans that I've interacted, including in the, you know, in the NBA, because, you know, the NBA has obviously always had white players, but only recently, uh, have I, you know, has you have, have you had so many that are playing at like an extraordinarily hot, a high level, you know, in the, in the past, you have like a Stockton or a Nash, you know, like that. But now there are like a half dozen guys that, you know, throughout the year could be talked about as an MVP. Um, almost all of them imports, I think, but like that, I've never seen like like hoop people who people who like hoops. Like I'm a closet NBA guy. Many of you guys know I watch the Bucks games. I'm a huge Bucks fan. I have been my whole life. Season ticket holder until the whole uh, Hong Kong thing. Still love my Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, like they, if you can hoop, you can hoop. They don't care if you're white or black. Like I've I've never seen like a guy like Dirk not get not get credit from like actual fans of the game. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's weird. Uh, and, you know, so the facts that you call a Dirk Nash and Jokic won MVP because of white privilege while also giving fake stats. Perk, you got cooked this morning with all due respect. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it's just, it's just bad. It was just a bad take. Um, he's been doing what a lot of people do when they have bad takes, tripling, quadrupling down. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, I don't really care. I don't think real good players care about winning MVPs. They want to win chips, but, uh, you know, Jokic, 
obviously is a very, very good player. Luca's a very, very good player. It has nothing to do with their skin color. The same way Giannis being great at basketball and um, Joel Embiid also, you know, being good, have nothing to do with their skin color. They work hard, they they hone their craft, and they get very good. I mean, go look at how big Giannis Antetokounmpo was when he was in the league, when he got drafted, versus now. That's not skin color. That's time in the gym. Go look at the way that, you know, well, I guess Luka and, like, Jokic are less, uh, you know, they haven't really changed their physical specimens, but their games have uh, uh, evolved. You know, a guy like um, uh, Jokic, you know, makes the right play. The guy doesn't get a tr- average of freaking triple-double if he's not passing the ball, if he's not, you know, like, so the whole thing is ridiculous. I won't bore you with sp- uh, sports stuff, but he got absolutely owned uh, right on live TV, and I absolutely love to see it. I remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles very fondly uh, growing up. I think I had a couple of their toys. I definitely had the their wagon that like fired the pizzas or the manhole covers or whatever out of the front. I'm sure I lost all the pieces. But there was kind of that one era of cartoons that most millennials, uh, old millennials, or even maybe uh, Gen Z, remember, or uh, what is it? What's before millennial? Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. If you're between 30 and 45, you probably remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. You grew up with it very fondly. What modern Hollywood does to that is rehash it and destroy it. Now, there's still a certain section of the fandoms of these original IPs that will pay money for literally anything. We saw this you know, with you know, Lord of the Rings betting on that with uh, how much money they paid for Rings of the Power, Ring-a-ling-a-ding-dong. All these woke remakes of Little Mermaid, of um, Snow White. People are still going to go see these movies. They're going to complain about it online, and they're going to go see it anyway. And so until at such a point when people stop seeing these things, uh, this the beatings will continue. Your favorite things from your childhood will be destroyed. We saw him do it with Ghostbusters. We saw, I mean, it's just it's an endless cycle. So there's a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, uh, uh, show or, or movie coming out with Seth Rogen at the helm. So we know it's going to be complete garbage. That said, I don't, I mean, I nothing this because I don't care about uh, these new remakes or whatever. But what I do care about is gaslighting and you know people like angry joe using their huge platform to call people i consider my friends either racist or like the p word you know which is essentially what he's implying here so it came out the new april o'neill of course everybody knew no redheads in modern cinema so they made her black and then they made her also chunky too okay if you're surprised by that Welcome to the party. That said, this is the hot take Angry Joe throws out, and it it really didn't go that well for him. You know, first of all, he says you ha- if you have a problem with April O'Neil being replaced or thinking she should be racist, April O'Neil is white, not black. I'm tired of this being replaced. This is BS, woke, woke, woke. Just because you point out that they're replacing her, look, the fact of the matter is. There are millions of iterations of a lot of these comic books or a lot of these IPs over the years 
that different ethnicities have existed. Um, and so what the left always does is say, see here, here's this comic book that nobody read where, where April O'Neil is black. So therefore, everybody knows who knows the turtles knows that cartoon, okay? Where April O'Neil is uh, you know, wearing her yellow with her red hair, okay? That's who April O'Neil is. Um, and uh, that's the fact. Now, you want to make April O'Neil black? Fine, go ahead. Um, but then he goes, uh, non-racist weirdos. I don't care that she's black, but why isn't she this, why isn't this 12 year old attractive? Can't wank. Um, I don't think that the replies really went the way he wanted. Pimp master Broda in here. I've seen this play out before. We look forward to the angry view where you end up agreeing with everyone that the movie sucks. Um, you know, so long as it's good, am I right? You know, it's a Black Panther as a white guy. Um, no, it's not because out of the gate, it doesn't reflect the IP whose namesake it seals. As usual, do the swap test for IPs you like or do it for protected races, Joe. You'll see it and you'll feel the same. Um, you know, I, I think that the fact that Seth Rogen's involved, it was pretty clear that um, it was garbage, going to be garbage. Um the animation style, I think, is weird, but it's at least somewhat interesting. Um, but again, another redhead replaced. But see, part of this tweet that uh, Eric July took an issue with is because they used his tweet here, right? You see, April O'Neil is white, redheaded lady. Just stop, you dummies. I mean, yes, again, she has existed in other forms, but the left is also gaslighting to pretend, oh, no, she was always intended to be black. Um, Eric is saying, tell me you didn't pay money for this new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated reboot ops to tokenize April O'Neil as a fat black woman. This has resulted in fake fans spreading. It's all, uh, debunked misinformation, DOA full videos going live. Uh, oh, I know the attack on Reddit says real, but come on, April O'Neil is white. Um, and then he goes after Melanie Mack, uh, by posting this. It's always people that are pulling the racist card at any April O'Neil criticism, white activists at that. April is supposed to be beautiful. They could have at least given us a cute black April. They made her ugly on purpose. Race plays no role in that. I mean, yes, I would agree with that. But then again, Eric July is worth the follow here because if you're not following him already, because he obviously puts this out. As usual, TikTokers and Redditors, more likely born in the 2000s, spread myths that have been thoroughly debunked for years because they pretend to care about a property. Today's myth is that April from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was originally designed to be black. This is simply not true, and I'll show you the receipts. Here's the thread. More than likely, you've seen screenshots that have either been altered or taken out of context, but let's take it from the top. Here's the very first appearance of April in the second issues of TMN, issue of TMNT. This alone debunks everything. Not only can you see she's clearly a white woman, she's standing next to Baxter, who her boss, who is black. They are completely different tones, despite it being in black and white. Ironically, Baxter's original concept design did have him as white, but that's not the con contention. These are the original first public depictions, the ones that were the perm that you've seen going, the ones with the perm that you've seen going around. The third and fourth screenshot is her in the following issue. As a bonus, a fourth is the cover of the one of the issues. In the first publication, she was white. This is not up for dispute. And here you have the cover. Zoics! Bring back the comic, those comic books. You can see, I mean, obviously, she's clearly white here. 
I mean, like it's obvious, right? Um, he continues. This is the first time we ever saw her colored in a comic. Again, she's white and also very attractive. The myth wasn't a thing for decades, but you'll often see, often see people refer to her depictions in the fourth issue when she got her hair done and it's a perm. White women wore perms in the 80s. They did. Here is a non-darkened version of the cover that you're seeing shared. A white woman with a perm. So people are actually going out of their way to darken her skin color to make you think that she's... That's how sad it is. The fact that the original comics were done in black and white has allowed these people to lie. For example, you've probably seen this photo shared of April. This is not black. She is just a tanned woman, and it's obvious when you see the colored version. Again, so people are saying she's black here, but you can see when colorized, she's obviously white. There has been versions of April that have been black, yes, but none of them are original, and the ones you keep seeing shared isn't even canon. But one of the biggest misconceptions of the claim pertaining to April's race is actually based off a misquote. In 2000, Kesh is an expert thread, dude. In 2002, Kevin Eastman, co-creator, states that Peter Laird, co-creator, actually made April originally Asian. He goes on to say that she was named after a black woman. That woman was mixed, as was his ex. He says named after, not designed after. And no, it doesn't matter, right? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. But like... Again, you see this. Hey, Eric July, April O'Neil was black in the original Mirage comics, as was a cartoon. It was the cartoon that whitewashed her. It's not true. She's clearly white here. Um, you know, it's just like, again, you see here uh, the reality to creators. There may be different versions, but again, again, we know that there's no question about this April. Right? Like they made her overweight, they made her black, gave her dreadlocks. Okay. So there is no question here about this creator. And there's also no question about uh, why they exist. You know, the changes were made for racial reason, reasons, for woke reasons. That is not up for debate. Angry Joe having a meltdown about it does have a valid point in that he says, who cares? Is it a good movie? Well, the turtles in it are much younger. Um, it seems like definitely more geared towards kids, which is totally fine. Sometimes when they reboot stuff, it's like still like for older fans of the original. I don't love this iteration of the turtles, but I can also see it's clearly targeted towards kids. So it's whatever, you know, like I'm not going to pay money to see it. I'm not going to buy the figurines. Uh, I'm clearly not the target demographic, but let's not... Um, no, you know, let's not pretend that Angry Joe isn't like implying here that if you point this out that you're automatically racist because I mean, uh, you know, Angry or I mean, um, Eric July is a black man or that he's implying that what Melanie Mack can't fap to it. I'm not exactly sure here. So obviously a lot of, you know, quote tweet actions in here, <laughs> beard of shame for Joe. Um, you know, it's already bad because it doesn't respect the source material. Uh, someone's on crack. That someone is Joe. I, I mean, I don't see anybody. Well, here's one person who got agreed, agreed, zero likes. I'll take angry. Jose is turning into the very one thing he hated. I mean, again, 
they can't bully you down and like break. This should be how April looked or looked when she was young. And then you'd get more nostalgia, more member berries. If they want to go the other way, well, then they, you know, then I don't have to go see it. You know, because the only reason I would watch this is for the member berries. If you're going to say no member berries for you, well, then I'm cool skipping it. Angry Joe, I don't think I'd mess with Eric July. He does not seem very happy with what you said about him. Uh, you might want to clarify. You know, I think a lot gets kind of swept under the rug, <clears throat> literally. Uh, when we talk about social media platforms like TikTok um, and the dangers that lurk there, the kind of people that lurk there, certainly they exist on <clears throat> all other kinds of social media, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. But there seems to be a high concentration of them on TikTok, in particular ones that make content that may bring the type of audience that they want. You know, TikTok is a primarily a younger, young person's platform, although more and more old people seem to get into it. And there's certainly some wholesome content on there. There's some, you know, how to's and things like that, that work really good on that platform. But there's also a bunch of very questionable stuff. And I think this is an important message to continue to remind people to be careful, you know, when you let your, your kids go on these platforms, because anonymity allows just about anybody on there to be a star tiktok star rabbi who adopted nine boys as a single dad well did all sorts of terrible things to them also faked his judaism and a fake chronic illness that's like the trifecta Big P word, uh, a rabbi who gained fame on social media for adopting nine boys uh, as a single father was arrested after one of their sons, uh, well, came out and said perhaps exactly what you might think. One of his sons, the, w the way he got caught too is very interesting. One of his sons called into a podcast to make the claim. The 17-year-old boy, uh, uh, you know, I mean, oh, he also claimed that the dad had done things to all of the kids. Of course, he's also been accused of faking his Orthodox Jewish heritage and alleged that, and his alleged disabilities having Claimed he was raised in, the Hasid, raised in a Hasidic community in New York City. But records show Cohen, who lives in Houston, was in fact from Odessa, Texas. And that his real name was Jeffrey Lujan Vegel, according to Redux. Shout out to Redux. Nice work. He regularly posed for photos while hooked up to an oxygen tank and in a wheelchair. But his adopted sons claimed even that was faked. Looks like a real winner. Hmm? So one of his kids called into a podcast on February 1st and claimed that, well, he did terrible things. He said that he had used a burner phone to avoid detection from his dad, his adoptive father. And then he was planning to wait until he was 18 until he could report it to police. But you don't have to wait till you're 18. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they called in now. Maybe that's just something they thought 
you know, was the way things worked. I don't know. The podcasters then later called the PD who were able to trace the phone and went to see the boy. Initially, he denied that he made the claims, but later became visibly scared, shaking, held his head down when police played him a recording of the call. He eventually admitted that he was the one who made the call and told the PD that he was not brave enough to say anything about the bad behavior. Well, I would say he's very brave. The fact that he made the call uh, is is a very brave thing. Um, you know, especially <clears throat> being adopted, um, having, you know, even, well, just at that age, you know, where do you go? What are you going to turn in the only guy that, the only person that feeds you, takes care of you? Chief Prosecutor for Harris County District Attorneys um, went, you know, uh, digging around and said that their dad would pepper spray them if they refused to comply. Oswald also claimed that Cohn inten intentionally used the guise of religion and a, uh, and a facade on social media to try and hide the true nature of his crimes. So again, he made all these kids hug him and, and take these pictures, but he's not in a wheelchair. He's not on oxygen. That social media presence included a TikTok page with over 200,000 followers, along with a widely viewed YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram profile. On those accounts, Cohen and his family would showcase their religious lifestyle, and the adoptive patriarch advocated for single men to adopt children. Well, yeah, if you're uh, a P-word, apparently. Our mission is to help provide support and understanding from a Jewish perspective. Wasn't Jewish. Our goal is to reach out to other homeschooling families in order to create a network, Cohen wrote on his website. Why does he want more boys? We're open to all levels of observance. Please feel free to contest, but some accuse Cohen of fabricating the religious lifestyle and background. Well, yeah. Fake oxygen. Why does this guy look like Boogie? Sorry. Just does. On social media and in public, Cohen often appeared in a wheelchair and wearing an oxygen mask. His own adoptive sons even said it was a fabrication, with one boy telling KTRK, everything Cohen does <clears throat> is fake. The teen stated that Cohen only uses his wheelchair when people come over or when he's in public. Cohen's charging document read, the teen stated that he has six oxygen tanks, doesn't use them, and that Cohen only coughs uncontrollably when he's in court. The attorney representing the exchange student Cohen was accused of doing terrible things too. There were so many red flags, flag, fla flags. We all suspected, we all suspected he was the P word, but you just don't start just one day. We all suspected bad behavior. Well, here's the interesting thing here is how is he able to adopt all these kids? I guess it shows kind of the rough state. It shows kind of the rough state of the adoption world. Like, so many kids need homes, especially older ones. This isn't the first time, by the way. This isn't the uh, the first time that this has happened. It happened not that long ago with um, two men who adopted a son and then did terrible things. This by the New York Post. A phony Hasidic dad who found social media claim for adopting nine boys has been charged with, well, doing terrible things to most of them. While out on bond, I wonder, um, he regularly blogged about the unique family in Houston. 
getting nearly 200,000 followers. I wonder what his YouTube channel was. You know, let me see. Well, I can't seem to find it and perhaps it's taken down, I certainly hope. Now, certainly these are alleged, but uh, this is uh, probably not, uh, you know, made up. But what's interestingly, disturbingly, it happened despite Cohen still facing criminal charge for uh, bad behavior with a young and two with a foreign exchange student from Spain in 2019. His bond conditions prevented him from going a thousand feet in front of places where kids may be, such as a school, but not from raising his adopted kids. I mean, who kept giving this guy kids? Like, I became a go-to adopted destination for Orthodox boys in the foster care system. I'm a minority within a minority within a minority. His social media also claimed that he was terminally ill, and then he arrived on his last court hearing in a wheelchair and an oxygen mask. However, the teen also alleged that all of that was fake. Well, I'm glad they, I, 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 I'm really glad that they found this guy. Um, and, you know, he's out there on TikTok. People like this, you know, like, golly, it's just so evil. Um, you know, you already have like the situation where uh, you have people like adopting kids for social media clout, which absolutely is a thing that happens. Um, but this obviously is, I don't know, not perhaps the best movie or video story to end the day on, but also an important one to, <clears throat> you know, think about when, you know, people are on TikTok, people aren't, you know, don't always present uh, who they are. And, um, well, I hope this guy, if what they say is true, I hope he, uh, you know, goes straight down. You know, he amassed social media following in which he showcased his large family's religious lifestyle and advocated for single men adopting children. Uh, but he was not adopting. He's supposed to, this is like particularly, uh, so sick. Be careful, uh, on TikTok, folks. Um, and I hope this guy uh, gets everything coming to him that is legally allowed. I hope you're informed by this video. We'll talk to you again real soon.